hello to Sefer's very own podcast series, Get a Grip Unfair, Food, Agriculture, and Resource Economics. My name is Gal Hochman, and I'm the board chair of Sefer and an applied economist at Rutgers University. With me is Jane Kolodinsky, Sefer board member and the chair of the Community Development and Applied Economics Department at the University of Vermont. And we are here to discuss NRCS with Mr. Terry Coffey, Chief of NRCS. Thank you, Terry, for joining us today for our podcast, Meet NRCS. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. I know it's going to be a great one. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much. What is the Natural Resource Conservation Service? You know, we're, we're one of the agencies within the U.S. Department of Agriculture, where, where Tom Vilsack um, is our secretary. And, you know, we are we're the conservation agency. Uh, we focus on a lot of things. But uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about our mission and a little bit about our vision. Our mission is we deliver conservation solutions so agriculture producers can protect natural resources and feed a growing world. That is a total mission for us. We've worked with a lot of producers across this landscape, whether they are cropland, whether they're timber, whether they're pasture, and we're all about protecting those natural resources so we can have that food and fiber to continue to feed in a growing world. And then our vision, a clean, a world of clean and abundant water, healthy soils, resilient landscape, and thriving agriculture communities through voluntary conservation. And that says a lot. Voluntary conservation is at the root of what we do at NRCS. We work with landowners out across the country. They're great stewards of the land that they are farming. And so we, we, we do it on a voluntary basis. Folks come in and sit down with us. And so we can have that abundant water, the healthy soils, and the resilient landscapes. The result from that is thriving agriculture communities. How does NRCS implement its activities? You know, one of the things um, that's important to us is, is that, you know, as we work across these landscapes across the country, you know, we work with a lot of American farmers, ranchers, and foresters, and we provide financial and technical resources. The technical resources is the big one where folks are looking for solutions to resource issues and problems. And we provide a lot of that through our conservation planning and walking, you know, we'll walk every acre with the farmer and talk about what are those resource uh, issues you have, what are some of the challenges you're facing. And sometimes we're able to provide some financial assistance to help offset some of the cost on some of those uh, resource issues and, and to fix them. And so we do that to help them conserve the soil, you know, protect the water and provide wildlife habitat. There's a lot of benefits to what we offer uh, farmers as they come in. You know, we uh, we have a lot of folks that walk through the door, but we also we're out in the countryside knocking on doors and providing outreach and working with a variety of different uh, land users, uh, no matter how big that farm is. We're we're in the business of helping folks with the resource issues, no matter where they are and no matter what size the farm is. Thank you, Terry. That segues right into my question. I'd like to get a little more specific. How do NRCS's conservation programs balance among both small and large customers 
And how do you foresee your programs impacting soil health and water in the next five years? You know, from, from day one, when I, took, when I uh, was sworn into this job, you know, been t I've been talking about equity a lot. And equity means a lot of things. And equity is a key to delivering our conservation program and services at NRCS. Our program is designed to support all farmers, regardless of their operation size. You know, one of the things that we're doing right now, my team and I are doing, we're working to ensure that the program that we support and the investments that we make are, the, are available to everyone and that we're taking, you know, all those special steps to ensure that historically unnecessary and small farmers can participate and prosper as a result of our work. So we're, we're taking everything into consideration. Local level, when you start talking about our field offices, you know, there are somewhere but you know, around 27, 2800 field offices across this country where individuals can get assistance out there in, in these counties. And at that local level, that's where we get, a, get all our work done. You know, the farmers and the conservation partners and all the stakeholders who, who understand the natural resources needs of their land and communities. Now, they work with that local NRCS office and to obtain that expertise and funding and resources needed to help them improve their soils. A lot of times it's a coordinated effort between the NRCS federal staff, also what they call conservation districts have staff. We also have other partner staff that's also in those offices. So there, there, there's a unified effort out there in those offices as folks have these resource issues and needs that we can help them solve. And then at the national level, you know, we, we take this scientific-based approach and also provide that guidance out there on, on the land for these very sometimes complex resource issues. And so our, our employers are, are trained with the latest and updated technologies. And so a lot of science goes into what we do. And we've been doing this for over 80 years as an agency. And from our founder, Hugh Hammond Bennett, who was a soil scientist uh, by trade. And so we have staff also in our soil health division that are charged with delivering the latest soil health innovations. Um, and that is working great. And we're, we, we just continue to build partnerships. You know, we have a lot of partners out there across the landscape. And what those partners help us do is coordinate, exchange, and assess emerging science, you know, these ecological issues and opportunities. And they help in keeping RCS at the forefront in soil health, investment, and collabor collaborations, and also working with our universities. And so it, 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 it is, you know, we're not doing this all alone, but we have a lot of other folks that are helping us get this work done. Very impressive. But I'm wondering, how can resilience lessen the economic ramifications caused by natural disasters like flooding or hurricane? We saw the damage Ida brought to us. And, and, and we saw the damage that Ida brought to us. But, you know, we're experiencing some severe uh, climate change, some weather patterns, severe weather patterns changes. When we talk about wildfires, when we talk about drought, when we talk about flooding and hurricanes and storms, you know, there's a lot happening in this country right now. And we know that climate change presents a real threat to agricultural production, you know, and also the forest resources in rural communities. You know, the increasingly frequent severe storms, floods, drought, and wildfire, you know, it doesn't just impact farmers. 
and ranchers and forest animals, but it's, it, it in fact impacts everyone that depends on food and fiber all across this country. It affects every life in this country. This land is my land in the California one of the things that NRCS is doing, among all the other things that's happening, we're working to increase assistance for climate smart agriculture and forestry uh, to support these producers in building resiliency across their operations. You know, some of the things that we're, we're committed to, we're, we're committed to supporting farmers and ranchers and forest landers and using the tools that we have at NRCS and programs to adopt and address climate vulnerabilities. Uh, we're integrating climate smart agriculture and forestry into our planning process. When we're out there walking across that landscape and talking to producers, we're making sure that we're talking about climate smart agriculture. You know, what are the things that you can do to mitigate greenhouse gases? Also, to help with carbon sequestration. We're looking at all of it. And then we're improving our science and our technology and for understanding. And we're going to be measuring and we're going to be tracking climate related impacts and outcomes of the NRCS practices and programs. So, you know, we're out there putting these practices out there. That's really exciting to hear, um, Terry. I'd like to, to move into a little bit of a different direction. There are significant resources in the President's infrastructure package that will address issues of water quality. Will NRCS be partnering with the states in any way to create synergies between the funding you have and the new dollars? And if so, how? You know, we are right now, we are really excited about the all the opportunities that's, that's going to be coming our way. You know, the infrastructure bill will make important investments in communities, adding additional fundings to our watershed programs. You know, additionally, we're talking about uh, Build Back Better, which has now passed the House and on its way to the Senate. We're pretty excited about that. It makes a historic investment in our voluntary conservation programs that support farmers and ranchers and forest lands owners to continue leading the way in addressing the climate crisis. You know, our programs in NRCS are oversubscribed. We never have enough funding to, to meet the demand across the country. And But the Build Back Better uh, responds to this demand, and it also helps us target a lot of these funds to climate smart agriculture and forest investments. You know, farmers have long demonstrated leadership and environmental benefits, stewardship, with strategies that provide benefits on the farm, the environment, and the public. You know, these type of investments will help meet the demand from the farming community for conservation support. You know, this increase in funding will position agriculture to contribute significantly to climate mitigation to meet the nation's climate goals. We're going to be at the forefront of helping meet those goals, and we're pretty excited about that. The other thing it's going to do is going to put, a, put dollars in the farmer's pocket for popular and highly effective programs. It's also going to be supporting them in reducing carbon and other greenhouse gases to tackle the climate crisis. We're pretty excited about that. It's going to help us build back better, helps us over the next 10 years uh, with these really important investments in conservation. And these dollars are going to be targeted to the most effective conservation activities to address the climate crisis. And my agency, NRCS, we're well positioned to help with that, to deliver these programs to producers across the country, including our outreach to our historical underserved producers and those who have previously been unable to assess our programs. Sounds like a great time to be an agency yeah. chief. Oh, it, 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 it is a great time to be the chief of NRCS. And I, you know, I have a 42 year history uh, working for USDA with NRCS and we've changed our names two or three times. 
but it's just wonderful to be the 17th chief of NRCS. Any final thoughts to share with us? You know, we, we've looked at our priorities and it, and it speaks to all the things that we're talking about from urban to equity to uh, all of the climate smart agriculture. You know, there's a number of things that we've been talking about. But, you know, finally, if my final thoughts would be in, you know, over the next few years, there's going to be a lot of opportunity here to, to help landowners and producers achieve those conservation goals across the country. And as I said before, NRCS is, is situated to, to do that. We have a, we have a, a number of things that, that we can help with. You know, like I say, it's a scientific-based approach. Um, we go out on the landscape and we walk these acres with the landowner, talk about what these resource issues are and help them try to define that. And then talk about what are the solutions to solving this. Um, and we have a great uh, skill set a great number of employees out there that's willing and able to help producers across the country. If you're driving by and you have resource issues, stop in and see our, our staff. We, we provide a service that's second to none, and we hope that producers will come see us, give us a call, stop in and see us, invite us out to, to walk the landscape with them and talk about what those resource issues might be. And then there might be some financial assistance that could come along with that to help offset some of the costs doing some of these conservation programs. I like to call us the can-do agency and we're there, we're, we're ready, give us a call, we'll come out and we'll walk the landscape and talk about what those issues, our needs might be. It's a great time to be, it's a great time to be working for the, this administration, also for the Department of Agriculture and also be uh, the chief of NRCS. So it's just a great time in history um, we, like I say, we have a lot to offer and we're looking to meet with all the landowners out there and, and tell them all about conservation and, 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 and work with them. Great. Before we wrap up, so I want to really thank you Mary, for joining us and for discussing RCS. I would also like to thank my colleague Jane and thank you to our communication strategist. This podcast and other CFIR programs wouldn't be possible without the continuing support of the Agriculture and Applied Economic Association, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistical Service, and the Economic Research Service. Thank you, everyone. The Redwood Forest of the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me.